Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Taylor, a podcast about people for people. Welcome to Taylor, a space where we, as millennials, talk about the issues that matter to us. We explore the moments in life which moved, challenged, and shaped us into the people we are. We're here to laugh, share, listen, and talk about it all. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Taylor podcast. I am so incredibly excited for today's little chit chat. We are actually going to be talking to Sarah, who owns Beginning Boutique, which I have modeled for. And before we yes. start, before we start the podcast, so I started modeling for you guys last year. I think, yeah, it was like start of last year or something like that. And I remember when I first like got off the show, like Love Island and whatnot. Um, and I was like, yep, I really want to do modeling. And I'd been doing it. And Beginning was one of the first big brands to actually book me. And I remember when I got the call sheet and whatnot, I literally started screaming. And my roommate, who I was a really good That's friend so with, good. So this is a very, very exciting and obviously, you know, it's been a bit of time now since I've been working with you guys and I've wanted to have you on the podcast for so long, but then I was like really nervous to ask you. Really? Yeah, I was. (laughs) I kept being like, I should have Sarah and then I'll like see you and I'd be like, hi, how are you? And then I finally was like, okay, I'm just going to ask her. And then obviously. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming. Um, Could you give everyone a little bit of a background about who you are? and what you do for those who don't know. Yeah, so I'm Sarah Timmerman and I own a store called Beginning Boutique. I'm the CEO and founder and I started the business when I was 21 um, out of a spare bedroom in my house at the time and grew it to where it is today, which is super fun and exciting and a very long journey. Oh my God, that's amazing. I wanted to talk about the concept of having a dream and especially me being in like, I would, well, I'm about to tell turn 25 soon but you know I'm hitting like my mid-20s and um, I've always had this chat with my friends in terms of having an idea and first believing in yourself and then also putting steps in place but just to begin begin the whole session um, in your words what is a dream to you? So I always dreamed of owning my own business and so for me like my dreams have always been quite defined Um, they're more goals rather than than um, ambiguous things. Um, one of my favorite things at the moment is you can't have what you like, you can't have what you want by knowing what you don't want. And so that's one of my biggest things at the moment that you can only really achieve what you know you want. So defining those dreams down to more than just like, I want to um, be happy. Okay. So what is happiness to you? And I'm literally, I've defined all of these things down. So like happiness to me is a coffee in bed with my kids in the morning and reading them books. And then, you know, happiness to me is physical exercise and um, it's no financial pressure. There's like lots of little things that make up happiness for me in my world. Um, mm-hmm. 
walking in the bush, like doing different things, they all make up happiness for me. Wow, and I think I that's that. like, yeah, I think that's the key to take to developing your dream is just to sit down and really work out what it is that makes you happy. Wow, that's amazing. What's your star sign out of curiosity? Libra. What's yours? I'm a Virgo. Okay. Yeah, yep. I love that. It's interesting because my operations manager is, is born the day after me. And mm. to me, we like when I look at us, we are actually incredibly similar, but we're also very, very different. So it's really, it's really interesting star signs. Yeah. Where were you born? In Brisbane. So in Brisbane. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Um, and what was your family dynamic like when you were younger? It was pretty tough. Um, so uh, my family, um, where to start? Okay, so I um, am incredibly lucky that I come from a family that could afford to put me in a private school. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, the reason why I say that is because I was at Maruka State School and it was pretty rough. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, um, yeah. I mean, like I didn't feel like I fit in. So mum and dad were able to move me to a different school. So I do appreciate that always. Um, but, you know, it was a really challenging childhood. Um, I have very a very absent father um he was we that my parents had their own business and so um there was always a really high level of work um in our family like they take half a day off at christmas if we went on holidays they'd be driving to and from work and we'd see them at night times you know obviously that led to them being very tired and short with patience like um so it was a challenging dynamic and i um i learned a lot about how i wanted to structure my own company and that's probably why for me dreams come back to happiness because mm-hmm. my parents were building this dream but it didn't lead to happiness Mm -hmm. so for me that's why it always has to come back to that and you know I chose to have children so for me choosing to have children means that I want to provide them with an excellent childhood which means not working all the time and that sort of Mm. thing so I learned a lot from my childhood but I would say it was far from uh, far from perfect I love being at school because it meant that I wasn't at home Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was at school from my parents had to go to work early anyway. So I'd be at school from like seven till six thirty every day because of before and after school care. Wow. So um yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's so interesting. What were you like as a kid? Super nerdy. I still am super nerdy. nerdy. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. I loved being well, I was at school for so many hours. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, I, I did speech and drama after school. Um, I did cello, I was in the choir, I was in the band, I played all the sports I could. Um, I was sports prefect um, oh and I used to love running cross country. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like, I guess my school life was really important to me and I did really enjoy um, it academically, but yeah. I never really felt like I fit in at school either. So I had some really amazing friends, don't get me wrong, that I still am best friends with now, but I never felt like I typically fit into any one hole because like I loved choir and band and like I did mass tutoring um, and then I also loved cross country and sport and like all of that sort of stuff so it was a little bit of like a nerdy sporty yeah you know when you were younger what did you like want to be because I guess when yeah. you think about that whole concept I feel like as soon as you get into like primary school it's always like what do I want to yeah. be and then high school like you know it's always on our mind yeah okay OG I thought I wanted to be a lawyer but I'm pretty sure that was just because of Ali McBeal which is this big show from the US and my parents loved watching that and we would watch Ali McBeal oh my god um, 
Um, I and love. then I thought I would be a physiotherapist. So I yeah. actually studied physio um, for Did a year you? and a half yep. in the Netherlands. And then when I moved back, they weren't going to recognize any of my studies. So instead of doing that, um, I started doing a little bit of political science, psychology, mm-hmm. business. Like I had um, an arts degree on hold from when I finished school and I just did a heap of different subjects. Mm-hmm. And then um, I decided that I was going to start a business. Wow. So it kind of feels like a pretty um, organic kind of journey, I would say. Um, Yes and no. Like mm-hmm. it's organic in terms of like, I didn't know I want to have the coolest online store in Australia. Like I didn't, I didn't yeah. start out knowing that from when I was born. So yeah. yes, definitely ebbs and flows, but um, yeah journey has just changed so much since the start as well. Yeah, actually I've been experiencing that a lot. I feel as though for me, one of my dreams was always like to do modeling from a very young age. And then I went to uni, graduated and did other stuff. And then when I did get into the industry and the more that, you know, you get exposed to different things, your dream or your ideas kind of shift as you experience more, I feel. And it kind of, you know, you bring it in a bit and you're a bit more specific with exactly like who you want to work for and what you want to do and that path and whatnot which is super yeah, cool wow. yeah it definitely does change and when you got into grade 12 how mm-hmm. did that feel like entering as they would say in my school entering the real world how were you feeling about that what school did you go to I went to Corinda oh yeah I lived right near there oh yeah. did you no nice. yeah, I lived in Corinda for a while so I do yeah know. yeah I went to um, Sherwood State School like for primary school and yep. then I went to Corinda so very close by yep um going into grade 12 for me I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well because I wanted to get an OP to get into physio or psychology and that at the time was like an OP4 wow. so I studied a lot um and I also played sport so most of my week was taken up with um sport and study I wasn't really a party girl um there's that nerdy side um and I love knowing this this is so cool <laughs> Um, and so yeah that's what grade 12 looks like for me it was very much I actually met my husband in grade 12 as well he was working and worked for my mum and I met him working for my mum with him like I went in to help her out and yeah so he came to my formal and then schoolies and then finishing grade 12 I um I saved as much money as I could working like three jobs and then um moved to the Netherlands wow yeah like as a gap year or were you studying there did you say um I thought it would just be a holiday because Martin had said he wanted to come back to Australia but then that didn't really happen straight away so yeah then I studied wait so your partner is from the Netherlands yep from Holland yeah no way wait I've met him briefly and he yes. did not have an accent like a like he sounds very Australian so I would have never known when he first moved here people could not understand him wow how crazy that is- is that so cool <laughs> oh my gosh do yeah. you feel as though he's definitely been on that obviously like you know you guys being together that journey yeah. of like creating a dream together like are your dreams kind of intertwined or are they quite separate quite separate um Martin okay. is like um Martin's never dreamed to be owning a business um mm-hmm. I think like for Martin his life is like he has never stressed he is such a chiller Cynthia like he is oh. such a chiller 
So I like, need that in my <laughs> life. Yeah, he really does balance me out. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's um, it's not like he dreams of owning Beginning Boutique. He yeah. works here and he dreams of different things as well. But it's not like he he is not the same as me at all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I would I would love to talk about um in terms of confidence and yeah what your relationship was like with yourself when you were younger because I've definitely I don't. I don't even know. Like, I feel like when I was younger, I, I struggled a lot with like backing myself and believing in myself. But yeah, I would yeah. love to learn a bit more about that. I guess um, at the start, I really had nothing to lose. So I thought I would just jump in the whole way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you've got nothing to lose and everything to build, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's actually a really good time to get into something. Um, I mean, I still sort of try to operate with that sort of mentality that like ultimately my happiness is tried to Martin and my kids. Mm-hmm. That doesn't require anything so I try to live the best CEO life I can based on um, building this business as well as I can mm-hmm. um, but tying that back to self-worth that's a very that's that's a constant struggle I think for me um, I am always working on myself mm-hmm. um, you never you never stop I remember when I turned 25 I felt like I had a quarter life crisis I was like oh my god mm-hmm. I've been running this business for you know four years nothing's happening it's not making any money like how what am I going to do you know I wasn't mm. paying myself a wage at that time. Yeah. And actually at the start, it was easier to back myself than, um, than at different stages. And I think it's just become a different, a different example of confidence and a different way of thinking about confidence. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm, I love that. Well, I would love to get an insight into the beginning of beginning boutique yeah. and where the name like came from. Yes. You and me both. I mean, I felt like, I just felt like I had to call it beginning boutique, if that makes sense. It was just like yeah. an intuition, like this is the name. It's not, that's also what happened with my babies. I felt mm-hmm. like they named themselves. So like, yeah. I felt like they had chosen their names. So I knew what their names were before they were born. Um, the start of beginning, so it started in my um, second bedroom in my house. And then um, we started selling clothes online, which was a completely foreign conversation mm. at that time. No one was really doing that. What and year was that? 2008. Wow. Wow. I would have been starting high school. I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I really wanted it to be this incredible experience for our customers. So for me, it was all about making sure that our customer felt like we loved her because right then in retail, it was like super high end. You're not worthy of being in this store versus like, here's your cheap things from Valley Girl. And I loved Valley Girl. I actually worked at Valley Girl for a very short stint saving for Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there was nothing wrong with that, but I thought there was something very wrong with saying you're not good enough to be here in this store and so I wanted to make sure with every experience you know, I was in a dust bag it was wrapped there was postcards there was chopper chops in there until yeah. a rat or an animal chewed through a package and then we had to stop the chopper chops yeah um so it was like this experience that I wanted to give our customer and it was incredibly challenging I didn't really have a budget to start and I had to figure out how to get people to talk about us and to see us and yeah that was um very interesting we did everything from fashion parades and the fringe bar through to um, pop-up shops, through to Fashion Weekend in Sydney, through mm-hmm. to Brisbane Fashion Week. Yeah. Like we've done pretty much everything, everything I could think of and afford to scramble up money mm-hmm. for. I've, mm-hmm. I've done. Yeah. Actually, that's so interesting. 
interesting because back in like 2008, social media was, no, it wasn't really a thing. It was like Facebook no. and maybe. No, there was not even Facebook. No. Oh my God. No. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's weird being like, how do you promote? Like, I can't even think yes. of a world without social Magazine. media now. Magazines. Was that would have been expensive? Everything. So expensive. We did an ad in Vogue and it didn't actually pay off at all. Um, You know, magazines ruled the world at that time. And if they didn't think you were cool or if they didn't think that what you were doing was good or store notoriety, um, had new notoriety, then they weren't going to write about it and no one was going to hear about you. So mm. um, around that time, Looked on a New was available and there were bloggers and things oh, like wait, that. I do remember that. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah, and Tumblr. Yes. So I used to stalk people there and that's how we would like try and get the word out by giving clothes to bloggers so that they could write about us and then, yeah. you know, giving stuff to girls on Look.new and that sort of thing. Oh, my God, that's amazing. So when you first like began beginning, was it just you or did you have like a little team? It was team? just me. It was just yeah, it was you? Just, it was just what? me for about four years. For four years. Oh, my God, yeah. that is insane. What was like the pinnacle point where you were like, yep, I'm going to do this? Or was it just always that from a young age, you were like, oh, I want to start a business? From a young age, I always knew I wanted to have my own business. I didn't think, I didn't know what it was going to be in directly, mm. but um, yeah. And what do you think that turning point was for you guys in terms of, um, you know, obviously it transforming into what it is now? So many points, but if I yeah. was to highlight just one thing, um, at year four, we actually got a pop-up shop at Southbank um, right now. Mm-hmm. the tape um it's yeah. a grill store um oh. and yeah and so I met so many amazing customers and all the TAFE girls would come in and they were just looking to have fun and they wanted an outfit for every weekend and I learned so much from them and it really changed who beginning was because we'd gone from selling like not really any clothes at all to finally selling clothes in a, and having really good touch points with our customer and so from this store I was able to save up enough money to build a new website because our original website was so terrible. And then from that, it was a turning point. And so just after that, we finally broke even as in like we had enough cash to pay our bills. Yeah. And at that point, I decided that I would rent an office in West End. It was 150 Mm -hmm. square meters, like a little office. I just remember crying when I got the keys. I was like, oh "Oh my God, finally. Like we finally have a face. Yeah. And, you know, it was just such an exciting, um, an exciting, moment for me in the journey because it's really special when you can finally pay your bills I'll tell you that yeah definitely when you say that you guys weren't selling much loads what do you mean by that like what were you selling at the black star no one was buying from us so like we you know a big week could be 10 packages yeah yeah oh okay got you got you yep 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 wow what do you think kept you going and obviously it's very easy to you know people start businesses all the time but then I think what really differentiates those who end up succeeding is obviously different components, but it's really that determination and just believing in this like yeah. weird dream and just, you know? Um, I think it's because I believe this is my calling. Like I believe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So for me, like giving up isn't really an option. Like I will I will stick with this until it until it can't be stuck with. Like I mm-hmm. am determined to to make this to make my dream a reality and you're exactly right it's just about not giving up and mm-hmm. looking for more and more solutions like there has to be another solution in another way 
Mm, I love that. And when did you start to like employ other people and actually, you know, make that transition from being a business owner to like actually managing a team? Because I can imagine that's pretty hectic. (laughs) That took a really long time, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we had our first part-time employee around the four-year mark. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't really think it was until like 2017, we had about 15 people. So that's like nearly 10 years after starting. So wow, um, yeah, yeah. It takes a long time because, you know, every single person, you are responsible for them. Yeah. Like, I am responsible for every staff member I employ to make sure that they have a beautiful place, an enjoyable place to work, make sure that they um, are always paid, make sure that the company is always responsible for them. Like that, it takes a long time, I think, when you want to build a sustainable business. Wow. Yeah. I always think about that because it's like, it's not just you that you have to like worry about, but it's also, you know, someone else's livelihood and whatnot um and bringing that balance that's amazing um I would really love to talk about in terms of the fast fashion market within Brisbane I kind of feel as though sometimes it will I guess now it's quite different because of COVID and I feel as though Brisbane is getting way more light like put on us but I feel as though there are there's so much like great fashion within Brisbane. Like how has like starting the business in Brisbane really like helped, you know, bring it up and whatnot. I, I feel like a lot of people don't know that there's so many like cool brands like in Brisbane. Yeah, I think um, there are awesome parts of being based in Brisbane and then there are challenging parts of being based in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. Um, The awesome parts is definitely around like um, it is cheaper to start a business here. Um, We have got a sense of lightness and fun that Mm -hmm. Sydney and Melbourne don't necessarily have. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think with Brisbane... People are willing to take a chance more and people are willing to have fun more. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that really worked in our favour as well. Um, I guess the challenging parts are that most people that work in fashion are based in Melbourne or Sydney and they dream of being in Melbourne and Sydney. So therefore there's a bit of a talent pool issue here. Um, mm. And of course, uh, suppliers aren't based here then, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you feel as though Brisbane is changing very rapidly because of COVID? One hundred percent. Um, so like I love hate COVID because one yeah. thing was like it actually opened up a lot of people in Melbourne that wouldn't consider Brisbane before. We've now been able to work with people in Melbourne. Um, you know, it's really changed the way that we work as a team as well. So many people work from home too. So it's, mm. it is a really big opportunity. Mm, definitely. And as a woman within business or like, you know, owning a brand, have you ever experienced or felt like your gender has ever affected the way that people like take you seriously and kind of like entering this space? Yes, 100%. It happens regularly. Um, So there will be everything from when I had my first son, I, um, my, I was multiple suppliers told my team that I wouldn't come back. Um, you know, so that's like, that is very challenging because that's not who I am. And, you know, I 
that's not how Martin and I work. Mm-hmm. So like everything from judging your the way you parent through to um, your availability at work, mm-hmm. um, through to um, your intelligence even at times. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's everything question and there is definitely a boys club that still exists. Like I know that there is um, amazing things happening for women in business, but the boys club won't change until the boys change. So mm-hmm. it's like, my kids will never be going to a single sex school because I will not put up with that bullshit in my home. Like, mm. you know, it's, you shouldn't have to go to a private all boys school to get your job. It should be based on merit. Like mm. it shouldn't be a deal done on a golf course. Like why, why are supplier events, um, golf and rugby? Like what's the mm. deal with that? Because like, that's number one, you know, that's very tailored to a particular type of person. Mm. And it's not just women. I'm not just talking about like being a woman. Like, Cynthia, I'm sure you come up with this all the time. Like Mm. it's also about age, Mm. um, being female. I think that there is like so much work that the entire community needs to do to make sure that we are treated as humans. It's Mm. It's not a sex thing. It's not an age thing. It's a human thing. And I think that's ultimately what we try to do at beginning um Mm, mm. and we're not perfect by any means but Mm. I am learning every day (laughs) Mm. yeah but I think also working within fashion it's really amazing for me working with such like strong you know independent women who have who are amazing at their jobs and have um such cool like outlooks on life and whatnot and it's quite like empowering and I feel as though in the last um, I don't even know, like 10 years or so, I feel like the space is changing very much and that we're yeah, able is. to, you know, kind of create more of our dream careers compared to say, like I, I'm originally from Liberia and looking back on everything that my aunt and my mum had to go through that a lot of the times they very much so had to, you know, rely on the men also like their father or whatnot and kind of being in this world that it's it's so much different which is really cool yeah Yeah. that is so cool because like um there was actually a statistic that was shared at a lunch that um said that in order for they interviewed the top 200 ASX companies and there were a few female CEOs and then there were a lot of male CEOs Mm -hmm. and the difference between the two was dramatic anyone who was not your classic white middle-aged man had Mm -hmm. gotten to their position because they'd been faced with um, adversity from childhood Mm -hmm. and that is what had shaped them to their success and that's why they haven't given up whereas on the other side it was like here here is my son like here is this connection, here is this business, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't coming out of a place of personal and like don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that these people aren't great at their jobs. I'm Mm. just saying that, you know, it shouldn't take um, extreme adversity like Mm -hmm. to to have a place and Mm. determination. So it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Do you have two boys? I do. Wow, that's so cool. In terms of their upbringing and you, you know, being like the strong female presence, (laughs) um, how do you like approach that? And obviously the things that you have experienced within the world of business as a female. 
Yeah, I mean, I just bring them into work as much as I can. They're um, so cute, by the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, like we, if they're in the car, I'll try to bring them into the office so they can have a look around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just try to involve them in what it looks like um, and let them see what's going on. Um, I don't think at this stage they really have any concept of mm. of female leadership or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Martin and I run a very 50-50 household. Like it's not one person's responsibility to do anything in the house. Like it's both of our responsibilities and mm-hmm. we try to share the load really evenly, which um mm-hmm. which was not part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And um it was something that I was very determined would not be my life as a mother or wife. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah. hopefully that, you know, I I do want my boys, I do want my boys to really understand that kindness is everything. Yeah. No, I like that. Um I would also love to talk about obviously with the world at the moment, like sustainability is such a big thing in terms of being, you know, one of the biggest fast fashion brands within Australia. How does beginning approach sustainability and the environment as well? Yeah. So we actually donate 1% of all our sales to charity. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of that goes to a partner called Greenfleet and Mm -hmm. they are um, reforesting areas, working with um, Aboriginal communities to do um, work work uh, the way that they want it with the forestation techniques that they want um, with native plants and things like mm-hmm. that yeah. um, so then as well we're working with stars foundation and they're um, what they're trying to do is help uh, young women get through high school um, mm-hmm. because obviously that improves everything um, it mm-hmm. improves all of their opportunities um, and so they're working with girls from really remote communities that like they can't contact their family you know they're thousands of kilometers away from home mm-hmm. there's no there's no internet to just quickly touch base with your family and they're supporting Mm -hmm. them to stay there. Mm -hmm. And then we also reserve another portion um, for charities that are important to our staff. That's what we're doing financially. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of the actual fashion component, Mm -hmm. literally nothing from our office goes into landfill that is um, usable in some way. So we Mm -hmm. don't, we don't burn our clothes out the back that don't sell or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. everything goes to charity. We work with partners to ensure that we are creating a circular economy as much as possible mm-hmm. um we've got some pretty big dreams and hopes around this we're trying to make all of our fabrics more natural and mm-hmm. more um environmentally friendly mm-hmm. and we want to be carbon neutral by 2025 so wow all of that in mind fast fashion is no more unsustainable than slow expensive fashion it is made mm-hmm. from the same fat factories it is made with the same materials it is made by the same people so it actually comes down to how you make the garment rather than like how fast you make the garment Mm. if we were selling things um at a price where you would literally chuck it in the bin the quality is that bad then yes um but we aim to have the same quality as a 250 dollars dress so Mm. we don't always achieve that obviously but that is our aim that Mm. you should be able to get a 70 dollars dress that will last you for years and years and years and years Mm. so that's what we're trying to do um and we actually have a project team that works on this um each team has sustainability goals Mm -hmm. and targets so that's what we've been focused on and trying to implement because at the end of the day i know this is so dramatic but it's like what's the point of having a business if we don't have a world to live in yeah that's at the end of the day yeah a hundred percent and i think as well you know when you think about 
the population obviously people don't have the money to go and buy something that's like a thousand dollars or two hundred dollars especially within these times but I think the biggest thing that's like the most important thing is that brands and companies are having those conversations about sustainability and putting practices in place rather than just you know turning a blind eye because obviously obviously they can you know get money from that and I think that's the most important thing and and I've obviously you know worked a few guys and I can definitely say that all the quality is very very good which is amazing and I think as well even when you think about 2008 compared to now the the conversation around sustainability has changed drastically and I'm definitely no expert on it at all if anything I'm very much so still learning but I think because of how the world is moving and in terms of like climate crisis yeah people are just becoming more aware of it and whatnot and I think brands and businesses have such obviously a huge environmental and social impact on the way that we live like you guys have so much power yeah exactly it is phenomenal that we can change our packaging and you know affect hundreds of thousands of pieces of plastic in a year like we have such a great opportunity to do all these incredible things which um are actually quite simple nowadays as well like changing all your power over to solar it literally took one phone call but wow yeah Yeah, that's amazing and yeah on the lines of you guys having such a huge social impact I feel as though when it comes to like fashion brands and especially within media the people that you know are selling our clothes that that impacts the way that people view themselves obviously last year was hectic on another level when (laughs) to say the least but when the pandemic first hit as you know the <laughs> owner of beginning what was going through your mind initially mm. um and the, the, our first tough. proper lockdown which was what in March yeah it was extremely tough mm-hmm. um we just spent the most amount of money we'd ever spent on a look at Coachella and literally we launched it and it's cancelled the next day um, that really hurt, you know, it, it hurt not because I thought that the world was unbearable or whatever. It hurt because of how much heart and creativity had gone into it. Yeah. It hurt because the whole team had really come together to just make this fabulous collection that would never see the light of day. And, mm. um, okay. So that was the first thing that happened. And then we were just constantly rolling with the punches. Yeah. Um, it was extremely challenging as a business owner because I had to make some pretty awful decisions. Mm. Um, you know, we had to we had to cut costs we literally lost revenue straight away like it was not like a gradual slowdown it was like you know it was like the like the world had just stopped for a bit there yeah and so we had to make some decisions on people going on leave on people um being made redundant we did the best we could to avoid as much as possible Mm. um but there were unpopular decisions that had to be made um and the whole world had just fallen apart so it was like we had to reset everything again and have those difficult conversations with the team in terms of like, okay, we can't sell festival anymore. What will we sell? How will we pivot? What will we change about what we're doing? Um, You know, what is it that we can do better for our customer? And again, it just came back to really identifying and being strongly um, intertwined with our customer. Mm, Yeah. Well, also, I think last year when it came to the fashion space, it changed a lot because obviously you, you had things like festive wear or festival wear I should say and dresses and whatnot and then it very much so went into that you know at home wear like what how did that 
change for you guys in terms of what you were we had producing? never sold a tracksuit before last no year way. no way you guys yeah. did a good job I feel like you did was it did you send stuff to people and they would like shoot it at home or girls would come in but they had to do their own makeup or something like that I can't yeah, remember that's right it was um which is not a nice position to be in as a model um, yeah I don't feel but I know. Like, you couldn't legally have makeup, yeah, makeup artists, artists work. yeah yeah so it was just a really challenging yeah so we just we did the best we could we um protected all of our staff run slip shifts in our slip shifts in our warehouse so that people weren't coming into contact with each other we had as many people as possible working from home just to protect our warehouse staff as well mm-hmm. yeah so we just put in place as many safety procedures as we could as fast as we could as well mm, definitely um and then obviously as the year progressed a lot of like social issues started to you know yes. come into play and yeah um you know everything from you know black lives matter to just like our society in general and for me it was like incredible to see everything happening with the blm movement because obviously um talks about racism has always come up over the years but then just this particular one felt like so different and i felt like it really um not like completely changed the landscape but it just kind of like pushed people to have those tough conversations and obviously as being one of the biggest you know fast fashion brands within australia um what was that like for you as the owner and seeing you know all of this on social media and I guess people grilling brands as consumers and asking questions what was yeah. that time like for you guys um you know I was in, in, incredibly in awe of mm-hmm. the situation because I was like this is incredible this is going to change the world this is such a big deal and you know this is everything um I can't say that I am an expert in this area at all and I know that I relied on our team to really make a lot of core decisions for us um, with research and sensitivity and being a proactive brand. Um, like I can't, I can't pretend that I connect with my own struggle because of being a woman in business and then not connect with this struggle. Like it's, it's all like, it's all got to be researched and, and understood. And like, um, I know a lot of our team marched in the marches in Brisbane. Um, and, you know, I think like it was such an incredible opportunity conversations to be had mm-hmm. that needed to be had mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it was amazing mm. I will also say though before everything really started happening with the BLM movement I feel as though you guys were inclusive like before then and even that shoot that I first did with you guys it was um with Ariel who is like a plus size model and then we had like Riley and me and that picture like the pictures that I posted from that shoot is probably like the most saved pictures I've ever gotten like literally went off and I think it really just shows that people want to see themselves represented and especially you know women growing up and little girls when they're able to see themselves within a brand or a girl who potentially looks like them or from their background that it makes them feel like oh I can do that or, or, or I don't know view themselves in a different way but when everything did happen what ways were you able to I don't know change or potentially just like keep doing what you were doing like how did that yep. change for you guys well as you're saying we have always tried to work with a diverse group of models and so mm-hmm. just um increasing that increasing um our influencer strategy so making sure that we are really reaching out to diverse girls um mm-hmm. and being very aware of that um we also donated to more money to a particular 
particular charity, which I cannot remember the name of. Mm-hmm. Um, and we worked to make sure that like we were hearing our customers because people were very vocal on this and with all right to be super vocal on this. Like I, I can't pretend to be a professional at this. Like I am learning and I am trying my best, mm-hmm. but I have so much to learn and I obviously get it wrong at times, but I think that's what we've tried to do. Like when we get it wrong, just make sure that we get it right the next time, like learn, change, be more responsible citizens in this world. Mm, definitely. And in your words, what does the beginning stand for? Yeah, we exist to make our customers' lives better. So we exist to give her the ultimate weekend, the ultimate girls time, the best outfit that she can possibly have of that special party, her formal, her engagement through to just going out on the weekend and looking hot. Like mm. we exist to make sure that she has the best possible time. Mm, I love that. And it is really true because you guys really cover all the bases. And I think as well, giving women the freedom to, you know, transition from potentially wearing something that's all completely covered up and then something that's a bit more like sexy, like having that control over how, yeah. you know, their, how they represent their bodies and whatnot, which is very, very cool. Um, this is a bit of a different question, but what is the most challenging aspect of owning a business that people may find surprising? Oh, that people might find surprising. Yeah. <laughs> I think actually it is the um, self-confidence because like you are getting constant feedback from every point. Like I get so much feedback on me, on my business, on everything I'm doing from so many places and keeping positive and upbeat and proactive, mm. you know, that can be challenging and it is definitely like how well you take care of yourself. So potentially people might not expect that. Yeah, I love that. Well, that leads into my next question. Like what practices do you have in place in terms of, you know, separating your work life and then also your personal life? Because I guess work is also quite (laughs) intertwined with your life. And so it's like, how do you set those boundaries? Yeah. Um, So I try to not do work at night and I try to not do work on the weekends unless I really, really need to. And that's a new thing for me. I think that you don't have that luxury in the early days, but I do Mm. have that luxury now. Mm. Um, I set an intention for every day. I set like what energy I want to have that day and what I want to achieve that day with the outcome and the first thing. And I try to journal each morning. I listen to a podcast each morning from like on mindset and like like some sort of learning piece. Yeah. Um, While I'm having my shower. Um, (laughs) And then like I go down and start my day with the kids and Mm -hmm. I quite often try to refer back to what it is that I set at the start of the day, like look back at the writing that I've Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Um, That's amazing. I think it's just about being able to allow yourself to have fun. Mm -hmm. What time do you wake up to do all of this? You don't have kids. (laughs) I wake up at six every morning, not by choice. I get woken (laughs) up every morning. Oh my God. I mean, I've always been a morning person, Yeah, but like to be honest, it only takes me 15 minutes and then I'm listening to a podcast while I'm showering that is educating me. So Mm -hmm. I'm not like, I'm not spending a lot of time on this stuff. And at nighttime, you know, when my kids go to bed at like 7.30, I'll be up for another hour and a half. And chances are I'll waste some of that on TikTok. I'll waste it Mm -hmm. watching TV. I'll waste Mm -hmm. it on Instagram. Like Mm -hmm. it's just how you utilize your time, right? So I try to exercise. That's a great one, actually doing a class. I really Mm -hmm. love doing classes Mm -hmm. from 6.30 till 7.30 because my kids are just chilling usually 
essentially they're just watching TV before they go to bed. Yeah. And so they don't really miss me. Um, and it gives me like a circuit breaker. Like it's mm. an hour of like, I need to focus on my body because mm. I can't do this without yeah. focusing on my body. <laughs> yeah. That's really good because I'm really bad at like um, time management. I always like write down everything that I want to do, but I'm so slow at doing things. And especially my mood really affects my productivity. And that's something that I'm trying to be better at because if I'm feeling off, then I'm just a bit like, you know, yeah. in a daze and whatnot. But when it comes to your... Int- I think everyone's like that, Cynthia. Don't beat yeah. yourself up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think as well, being patient with yourself is definitely yeah. something that like I struggle with. And I struggle with being still. Yeah. But I'm really interested in terms of like your intentions. Can you give us like an example that oh, people can me to like... read you today's? Yeah. Do you just do this on your phone? Yeah. Why am I shouting? I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you were shouting. <laughs> Intention for today, because I have a lot of meetings today, mm-hmm. is to be present with all meetings and curious. And the, the energy that I want is a confident boss because I had to do some stuff this morning that I wanted to like really inspire my team. So that's the energy I wanted. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. Um, and I would say, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh the advice I give to my younger self mm-hmm. is that it's going to take longer than you expect, but just keep going. There's always a solution. There is always another way. You can always figure this out mm. um, and just stay focused on yourself. Mm, I love that. And I would love to quickly touch base on how social media impacted yep. the way, you know, beginning runs and obviously, you know, through advertising and whatnot, because that's such a huge space. Oh, it changed everything. So when we, when Facebook launched, we were able to start asking customers directly what they wanted us to sell before we started selling it. Mm-hmm. And so like having this direct touch point with customers and being able to hear what they thought in real time, it was incredible. Like social media is how I can connect in with our customers, how I can understand them more. You know, it's such a privilege to be part of someone's feed. It's like they are giving you a space in their life and mm. don't waste it. Like, mm. yeah. So for me, I'm beginning really did grow from social media mm-hmm. and And so it's been a long um, journey, but um, social media has been a huge part of that. Mm, I love that. And so whenever I finish the podcast, I always ask the same sets of questions um, to everyone. They're like quick fire ones, but you can, you know, answer in your own time as well. (laughs) Who has influenced you the most in your life? My mom and Sophia Amoruso and my nana. Mm, Why is that? My mom always believed in me and like she always said I could do whatever I set my mind to and I just took her literally. So that really yeah, did help. Yeah. Um, my nana always supported me. She always had, she was she was a very firm lady who um, was quite strict. And then in her older age, she like loosened right up and it was just a pleasure to like be able to be so special with like have a special relationship with her. And mm-hmm. then so I started Nasty Gal and so Nasty Gal, was like everything Mm. in 2012 and like Mm. so freaking cool and I just admired her so much Mm -hmm. wow I love that um and if you could have a dinner party and you can invite two guests living or dead who would it be I would invite um I don't know I'm pretty like introverted so my are you really yeah I I am I don't like small talk yeah yeah I find that really I struggle with that yeah um so you know I'm like oh 
I just go with, I just have like my two friends, you know, like I just go and hang out. But like, I guess in saying the first answer, I'd say Sophia and then um, maybe like the founder of probably another business person. So yeah. it'd be like two business people. Yeah. That's actually so funny you say that you're introvert because I would have never known that. Yeah. I love time by myself. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I'll it's- quite often go for lunch by myself. Love that. Really? Oh my yeah, God. That's it. so good. I used to do that when I lived overseas. I would like go eat by myself. But nowadays I hardly ever do that. But the first time I met you, because I had like watched all these like YouTube videos and um, like whenever you would take people to, what was it? Splendor in the Grass yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I knew about you and I'm actually like quite shy as well. Like when you first meet me and it's so funny, like I was shooting at the beginning and I see Sarah and I was so weird. I literally didn't say anything. Like I didn't even you say hi. Weird. And I just like was about to walk past you because I was just like, I don't know, like intimidated. And then you saw me and you were like, hi, Cynthia. And I was like, oh, hi. And then I go to the toilet and I was like, why did I say hi? That was so weird. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, you were not weird. <laughs> I, I am a little bit. <laughs> Um, if you had one day to live, what yeah. meal, what would be your last meal? Oh, I actually am so in love with Bianca. So I would just go there and order <gasps> everything. Oh my God. It's so good. I tried getting a booking this week, but they were booked yeah, out. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. So sad. Yum. It's so sad. Oh, Bianca's this really good, um, Italian restaurant on yeah. James street here in Brisbane. And it's really good. Um, and what's the best advice you've ever received? You can't get what you want by knowing what you don't want. Mm, I actually really like that. And it's really stuck with me because I feel like people always say that, like, at least you know what you don't want. But then it is true. Like, if you don't have a clear. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market vision of what you want then a lot of the times we're just aimlessly yes. walking compared to when we're able to define what we want and kind of see it it's easier to achieve that yeah I really like that and if you could spread one message to the world that can be anything what would it be be kind yeah I love that well on that note thank you so much thanks Sarah for coming fun. on my podcast and chatting to us about life and beginning and thank you so much for our listeners for tuning in. I will yes, catch thanks, you guys. guys another time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Taylor. To explore more Taylor things, visit the blog at taylor.me. You'll find further articles, visuals, and a space to think, learn, and grow.